Mountains fall like rain. I used to absolutely loathe myself. Troubles melt like snow. I remember asking God for help. In and out of pain, my heart will go. His Holy Spirit, through His Word, gave me a peace. Darkness turns to day. Hey friends, welcome to the second I-61 Project podcast, coming to you from Studio B at River City Studios. Once again, Roy is at the helm, and today we have Austin, his co-pilot, helping out in uh, production. Uh, Ivor and I said before, and I think we said it at the last podcast, that for us is I-61 Project to be effective in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we have to begin to be transparent with people. Uh, today, Ivor and I have a guest with us who has offered to be just that, uh, transparent, and share his story. Uh, but before we bring Andrew in, we'd like to give you, uh, or at least I'd like to give you a Reader's Digest version of how Ivor and I came to know the Guiding Light Mission, uh, which is a shelter here in Grand Rapids. Ivor was getting ready to record his first CD, and we were looking to do a demo, and we ended up down here at River City Studios. Uh, met Sandra, who uh, manages this wonderful place. In the midst of that, she shared with us a story. She had some connection with a, a local uh, homeless shelter, the Guiding Light Mission, and she uh, shared a story that, that someone that she cared deeply about was there, and, and I won't go into that whole story because that's personal for her, but I found later that um, she wanted us to go down with her, Ivor and I, to go down and, and spend some time at the shelter and go to chapel and lunch there. And oh, I think then the following Monday, we were down there at the chapel and uh, her Ivor went first, I went the second time. But as we got down there, we started to meet these guys and realized that the homelessness that we saw and the brokenness that we saw was zero different than the <laughs> brokenness and the homelessness that we had in, a, in, mm. a, in and of ourselves. Mm. And uh, we really started to develop a, a wonderful relationship both with the, the mission itself, but more importantly with some of, the, some of the guys there. Yeah, I remember, Dave, one of the things that I said to you that struck me was um, in terms of the guiding light and, and the testimonies of the men was that there was so much more that they could give to the church almost than the, the church, church could, could get back because it was this powerful testimony that really just became the reflection of our own right. hearts and our own brokenness and lostness. And uh, I know you and I shed a tear or two. Uh, yeah, we, were, we, we weren't there 10 minutes before yeah. both of us looked at each other with tears in our eyes, not out of pity. or uh, uh, it, it was out of our own knowing that, you know what, we're in the same place. Yeah. You know, we may have some a couple bucks in our wallet or, or we have a house to go to, but th this is yeah, way Dave deeper. Does. Dave's got a couple bucks. Yeah, less after <laughs> lunch today. <laughs> but at any rate, um, I met Andrew in in my office, actually. Um, my day job. I'm a, I'm a oral surgeon by day. And uh, Andrew came into my office one day uh, for some work. I'm allowed to say that, right? Right. Okay. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> As part of what I do there is I don't want to just take care of the body. I really, my, my bigger deal is that I want to get to know this person because mm -hmm. they, I may have something to offer and quite frankly, he may have something to offer as well. And I remember sitting down and you were, you were in, in the chair and, and I pulled my chair up and I'm like, how long you been down in, at the guiding light at the shelter? And uh, you told me a couple months or whatever it was at that time. And and I remember sitting in the, in the stool and I said, Andrew, tell me your story. And uh, so you don't have to tell me your story, but 
tell me your All story. Right. And you did. So, I mean, if you don't, if you don't mind, if it doesn't, if it's not too uh, much to ask, I'd like you to just kind of open up and maybe share a little bit of about your life prior to, to ending up there, and um, we'll go from there. It was a long, hard journey getting there. It wasn't very pleasant all the time. Childhood was surrounded by um, alcoholics, and when I was really young, my mother was in an accident, and uh, my father took off while she was still in the hospital from that accident. So, so that that was really hard for her, and she started drinking shortly after that. You know, uh, my grandmother took care of me, helped take care of me because of my mother's problems, and I, got, I came really close to her, and she she was a really good friend to me, and. Uh, I lost her when I was 14, and that was another blow, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I felt safe and happy around her, and then that was gone. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so dad, dad was gone then, you said, or no? In and out. Okay. He would take me once in a while, and, you know, like visitation kind of thing, but mm -hmm. I wasn't ever really too involved other than that. I have an uncle who's like five years older than me. And uh, he was a sick one, I guess, and some things happened there when I was younger mm -hmm. with him. Mm -hmm. And that kind of took away that safe place. Man. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it seemed like every every time I found something safe and... Um, he either got taken from you or contorted. Right. When did things really start to, you know, I guess escalate you know to the next level i mean you're kind of in this place where a lot of people are i think you know it's not going great but somehow you're managing to get by you know when did you think that it, it moved to the next step of of being hopeless yeah yeah that thing <laughs> good word we'll jump right into that yeah i like it yeah, let's, yeah i just felt like there was nothing nothing to uh stay sober for i mean why mm. Just wanted to stay drunk all the time because, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I would have to deal with the consequences the next day, but that's the next day. I'll worry about that when it gets here. And there is something about that, isn't there, with using of any form of addiction or whatever. It's like somehow the the desire for that comfort in the moment outweighs the, you know, the consequences are going to come, you know. But uh, Well, the other thing that you're doing is that you're living... You're living in the shadows all the time. Mm. I mean, you're living in the dark, and I think then the Bible talks about that mm. a lot. That you know, sin can't live in the light. So you mm. end up, you haven't, you have to go find darkness somewhere. Mm -hmm. You have to sneak around here. You have to do this. You have to lie. You have to cheat. You have to cover up. Then one cover up means you have to cover up two other things that you have to hide. And um, but the cool part, I think, in, is that God, God sees all that stuff, mm. um, which obviously we're gonna we have to spin back around to that at some point in time, but. You're hiding from your wife, your girlfriend at that time. You're you're hiding from your family, your friends, and um, you may be hiding from the law. Um, and they oh, yeah, can, I did that too. We can share that too. In yeah, a second, if you want to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because that that's, you know it's it's part of a, a life. We last week we talked about uh, lives that were so bent, and that was a word we kept talking about. And you, you didn't get to hear that podcast, but we talked about um, our, that was part of the lyric of your song, mm -hmm. right? That, that our lives get bent, mm. which means they're not straight anymore. And um, part of that 
is that it leads to bigger things. It just it, it's a downhill thing. Um, mm-hmm. Go ahead. You, you just open that door up a little bit, and you know, feel free not to if you don't want to. But you said you went down that road a little bit. Yeah, drunk drivings. I have a couple of those and fights. I've been in jail for fighting, and um, she called the police on me before because we got in arguments and. I was drunk, and they take me because of that. And last year, I ended up in the the work release where I met a couple of chaplains there, um, Bob and Ed. Bob's kind of crazy, I think, but he's in a good way. Yeah. And when I heard <laughs> we, him, we we've been accused of that, I think, <laughs> <laughs> and in a not good way too. <laughs> I think both both ways. <laughs> Ed is my mentor now, mm. and. He's great. He calls me all the time and checks in on me. And how, how old are you now again? 37. And your grandmother died when you were 14? 14, yeah. So really, there's, we've got a 23-year gap between maybe being introduced to the spiritual, the, the acknowledgement that there's something bigger than ourselves mm-hmm. to where someone actually is introducing you. I mean, obviously, you, you went down the religious road a little bit with the Catholic Church, which is good, but um, there's a big gap there. To where someone actually comes alongside you, and that's it, it's. I can tell you exactly that gap was. Mm. I actually for most of that that gap you're talking about. Most of that time, I was telling people I was an atheist. That I didn't believe there was anything because how could there be a, a God? Because all you know, this happened to me and that mm-hmm. happened to me. And if there's a God that loved me, why would all that happen? Mm-hmm. You know, me, 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 <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> when that started to change was. Before I was in the work release, I, when I first got to the jail, they put me in a, a cell by myself, and there was one of those little jail Bibles in there. And I uh, said, well, let's see what happens, you know. And I picked it up, and I just started flipping it. And I said, wherever it stops, I'm just going to read there. And it, it stopped in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God. Mm. And I read that, and I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool. Mm. And so I... I lay down, and the next day they called me and said I was going to the work release. That day, uh, Chaplain Bob was there, and he was, uh, his whole sermon that day was about being a warrior for God. Mm-hmm. And I just read the, about the armor of God, and mm-hmm. I was like, wait a, a little confirmation there. that yeah. maybe you, it wasn't an accident you read that, that verse. Right. I was like, there's no way that that's just coincidence. Mm-hmm. Like, weird mm. but I was still you know kind of thinking well maybe chance maybe yeah. mm-hmm. and then he told me that that Jesus is in if I allow him to be close to me he's with me all the time mm. he wants to be close to me he wants to hold me close and he wants me to hold him close mm. so I have this I sort of developed this thing in there that uh I call it Jesus check, but it's it's not for him, it's for me. I do it throughout the day. I just stop no matter what's going on, and I just talk to him. Say, thank you, it's going good, or I need oh, your help. Oh, that's awesome. The, the Bible says that, uh, that when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. Mm. And there is that portion, you know, um, of us turning toward him. God does all. I mean, I believe God does the work in our hearts. I mean, He's He's been working on you since since day one. But but 
when we do draw near, he does draw near to us. And then there is the, those things that, that he starts to show us that are beyond, beyond chance stuff. And I mean, I've and I have tons of stories of, mm-hmm. of beyond chance stuff that, that God just says, yeah, I'm really here. You, you can't make it up. I'd like to definitely hear more, Andrew, about kind of since that point. But, but I think it's, it seems like a good moment to reintroduce the theme of our program here, which is uh, nowhere else to go. And, and you know, it really struck me when you talked about picking up the jail cell Bible. And I think there's a lot of testimonies out there like that. You know, you didn't pick it up in the mall or you didn't pick it up at, you know, when you were at the party or when you were out doing something. Uh, sort of seemed like it's you, the jail cell, and this Bible. And there's really nothing else to go with. And part of that is like, well, you know, here's this book. Maybe, maybe there's something in there. In my own personal experience, and, and I know yours, David, seems like when everything's going good in our lives, we don't typically seek out God. You, you were telling us a minute ago, Andrew, that, that if, if you had a bunch of money back then, oh, yeah, and, bef- and, and God blessed you with a bunch of money back then, oh, it, w- it wouldn't have been good. No, it wouldn't have been good at all. So it was better that you were in jail in right. terms of your relationship with God and where you are now than had you been blessed with a nice house and more money. Right, yeah. yeah. And maybe a, a girlfriend who wasn't upset with your drinking, <laughs> you know. That, yeah. though, some might say, well, that, everything's good, right? I got yeah. some money. I got a girlfriend who doesn't mind what I do. That's Not good necessarily thing. good. <laughs> yeah, I think she's she's been one of the bigger blessings in my life because mm. if it wasn't for her, I could have went really wrong. I well, if you think about uh, this is a really great example of grace. I mean, and my wife as well is that you know, 17 years you've been together and, and you know drinking some jail time some this and that and she's still your girlfriend there's a really good quote that i found of uh, abraham lincoln it said that he often met crises on his knees during the civil war he once said i've been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that i had nowhere else to go huh. my own wisdom and that of all about me seemed if, insufficient for the day in other words, I mean, he, he said, I mean, this is the president of the United States. Uh, he, he, during the Civil War, he's like, you know, I'm a pretty bright guy. I'm, in the, in the, I'm probably the most powerful man in the world of, uh, at that time. And where did he find himself? He found himself on his knees going, you know what? All my wisdom gets me nothing. Mm. Well, David, and, and I know we were speaking earlier in terms of just wanting to make sure that, that the listeners of this podcast um, – understand that while this is an amazing story about Andrew in particular and there are stories and testimonies like his being nowhere else to go isn't necessarily something unique to the person who has not found Christ yet that sometimes even though we found our Lord you know you and I have been in places where within our spirits we felt that you know god why have you forsaken me right feeling. Th- th- this isn't this isn't a podcast or a story about a worldly success story right like you know, it was about, all messed up now, and now it's, it's all, better yeah right. i was poor now i'm rich I, right. I was i was sick and now i'm healed right um, everything that we do is it goes way beyond the physical and the tangible here, because um, this really isn't about that. Because mm-hmm. at some point in time, no matter how good you get, no matter how, how happy you get, you're still going to be dust. Mm-hmm. I mean, so th- that's one aspect of mm-hmm. it. The other aspect is that there are a lot of um, 
Christian, I'm going to say Christian uh, leaders, uh, well-known ones, that that their ministry really is about becoming a better you, mm. you know, being more liked, being more successful, being because ultimately uh, all of us who come to know Christ and are changed on the inside still may have nowhere else to go on the outside. I could be drawn close to, to Christ and and been given amazing blessings, but still find myself without a home. Mm. Still find myself with a wife who's dying of cancer. Mm. Still find myself with, you know, a child who who, who dies, or, or or myself who becomes sick. So uh, we have to be we have to be very careful that this that as we present this to to those of you who are listening to know that this is bigger than that. Well, it was interesting when Andrew was saying a few minutes ago about. How he just kind of started, you know, doing the Jesus check and just checking in and, and you know, kind of letting things go and things just started to happen. That you felt weren't necessarily a part of something you did or made happen or couldn't make happen. And I just, you know, I think about those prayers when I'm just at the end of myself and I'm just like, God, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't think I got a good handle on myself. I'm trying. It's all kind of messed up. It's sort of like when I just really get humble and just like, I don't feel like I've got control here. I don't feel like I am in a good place. That God perhaps has that room now. Mm-hmm. You know, I allow him, as you'd said, you know, to come closer. Um, it's interesting. A couple of things you just said that, that, that kind of struck a bell with me. One, we said, you know, I get humble. And I believe that under most circumstances, God does the humbling for us because you and I aren't necessarily that good about getting yeah, humble. I don't know the people in general. Um, yeah. Right. That, that he tends to strip away from us stuff that stands between us and a real relationship with him that ultimately over the course of eternity is going to be way better than having a, you know, a, a little bit more successful life. Andrew? Well, part of that was when I, when I got out of the work release, I did good for a while and mm-hmm. things were going all right. I kind of gradually put God to the side and was like, all right, I got this. You know, I can handle this now. Because you were starting to feel better about yourself a little bit. Right. Right. So I thought I could do, you know, more on my own. And (laughs) Maybe you didn't need as many Jesus checks, perhaps? Right. And I fell right flat on my face again and things fell apart. And uh, I ended up back in jail again for, it was only five days that time. But it was like, I was like God saying, yeah, you remember this place, right? you know, mm-hmm. I went to court and the judge gave me the five days, which would let me out Tuesday morning, because I already did the weekend. And I remember going back to the to the cell and I started uh, asked God, "What do you want? What do you want me to do from here? You know, what am I going to do?" And a rehab popped into my head. I had, I said, "Wait, wait, wait, wait." That's not what I wanted to hear because <laughs> I've been down. To, no, God, I want you to tell me what uh, I want to do, yeah, but right. make it, yeah. What's plan B? Because <laughs> I'd, I'd already, uh, chaplain that had taken me to the mission prior to this time and tried to get me in there, and I didn't want to go at the time. So that's not really the thing I wanted to hear. So I said, I asked again, and the same thing. It's like, well, okay. In the morning when I get out, I'll walk to Ed's house and uh, see if, he can contact the mission and see if I can still get in there. And so that's what I decided to do. 
And uh, I laid there trying to sleep, and about 9.30 they called me out and said I had a professional visit. And I thought it was like a lawyer or something. And I get in the room, and it's Chaplain Ed. Hmm. And he's a big smile, and I couldn't. I was speechless. I was like, what are you doing here? And he's, he says, are you ready to go? You ready to go to the mission? I already called him. They said, you can come on down there. Hmm. I'll pick you up in the morning and take you there. And that's why it's when the chance thing totally was wiped away. That because mm. God put it on your heart um, your rehab, and and you had the mission in your heart, and then someone showed up to take you there. Yeah, I, I heard something else really interesting, and in, and in you talked about God speaking to you, and you know, and I know that's something, and I don't want to get off on a big sidetrack with that, but you know, in your spirit or in whatever terms, and you you really felt confident that you were starting to hear God speak to you, you know, a first time, then a second time. And, I, you know, David, I know we're often asked, how do you know, you know, or God doesn't speak to me? And, and again, it seemed like when you're at those places where you are just up against it, that all of a sudden God's voice becomes a little clearer or you tend to hear that voice mm-hmm. a little more than when we're out there and we got this in our head and that in our head. And God confirms his voice. Um, with circumstances that are are either beyond chance or very unlikely chance, right. Right. he confirms it by something that changes in your in your heart. In other words, I asked him for for something, and I wake up, you know, the next day, and I had this hunger to to know him. You know, I mean, I open up a Bible. I had a Bible in my house for thirty some years, and I opened that Bible up, and it started to it became like food. I mean, I looked at it, and it. it you know, it meant something, and I didn't do that. I didn't even ask for that. I mean, quite frankly, that I wasn't asking to become be, become religious or become a Bible. You know, I just mm-hmm. wanted to get. I wanted to just get. You want to be okay? Yeah. Yeah, I wanted my life back. You know, but that's not what his plan was for <laughs> no. me, right? Um, you know, I, so he changes you on the inside. He's got confirmation through through chance. Um, he also uh, confirms it through other believers. Someone else will walk up to you, a pastor, Ed or this other person who happens to be a believer, and they'll come up to you and say something that will confirm what he's already said to you. One real quick story. Ivor and I have known each other for quite a while, but uh, about a year ago, a little bit, uh, about a year ago, my father-in-law passed away, and Ivor wrote a really great song for my uh, wife uh, about about her father. I think it was a couple nights, or the night before I had, uh, before my father-in-law passed away, I, I had this really vivid dream. And I, I was, I mean, I was flying. I could just run, take some steps, jump up in there, and I could fly. And my kids, I've got two young boys and a daughter, but my two boys would grab a hold of each of my legs, and they were laughing. They thought I was greatest, and we're flying around the, the park and up the, over the telephone pole and stuff. And I wake up in the morning, my, my dreams, unlike Ivor's, are generally not that vivid and not that clear, and I don't remember them. I woke up, I told my wife this, the, the whole story. So Ivor comes over that that evening, uh, plays the song for us, and uh, we're getting ready to walk out to the car. Actually, we're walking down the driveway. We get about halfway down the driveway, and Ivor turns around, stops me dead in my tracks in the driveway, and he looks at me, and my wife's standing next to me, and he says, David. I said, what? He goes, do you ever have a dream that you could fly? (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's that's the response we had then, too. And I I looked over at my wife, and I said, go ahead, tell him. She goes, yeah, last night. She goes, you guys are freaking me out. Mm. But part of that, part of the deal is, look, God, God does those things to say, you guys don't mm. believe. It's hard for you to believe, but believe. And um, you yeah. know, your, your story there about the pastor, you know, showing up and 
Leading yeah, to the you, mission, they already thought. You kind of described the three things that I heard, you know, in Andrew's testimony yeah. right there for sure. But uh, and, and it was also interesting to me, Andrew, that um, it wasn't like just like a like you hit a, heard a really good speech or a sermon and like everything just all clicked in one moment. Um, I've heard those testimonies, and I, and I think you know, for some, that's how they come. But I think for most of us, it's a series of events and clues. Uh, you know, you, you talked about that. I don't know what if it was ignorance or it took a couple, you know, smacks upside the head to. That's right. You know. I, I, I had said to Dave that I, I just wanted to ask you a question at some point in this. And, and, and the question that was really I wanted to ask you, Andrew, is, you know, how would you describe yourself as different now? I mean, you, you've talked about maybe kicking alcohol for a while at various times in your life or whatever. You know, what's, what's different now for you? What's different is in, in that program, they taught me that I can't just, I couldn't just beat that by changing my behavior, by just quitting drinking. I couldn't do it that way. I had to change my beliefs. That's what's different now. I look back three months ago, and it's kind of hard to imagine being like that now as compared to then because I see things totally differently. Every aspect of my thoughts and everything are different now than than they were then. Do you think this is something that you did through the program, or do you think this is something that God did through you? It was the the programs teaching me that I needed to change my beliefs, but there's no doubt that it was God working through the program that helped right, me do there that. Yeah. Because there's things that even happened in there while I was in there that, you know, like, I woke up one morning and and the entire room that felt dark in there. It felt like there was a presence in there, mm-hmm. and because those rooms are really dark, there's no windows in there, and so even the daytime was dark. So it was in the morning, and I just felt like there was something in the room with me, and then it really brought me down that morning. And I I turned the light on. I was. I was reading the Bible and I was praying because I didn't really know what to do. It kind of scared me. And I was praying about 10 minutes and um, a friend of mine, he was in the program too. He'd been there quite a while longer than me. He knocked on the door and he said, come on, let's go for a walk. Just out of nowhere, you know. And we started walking down the sidewalk and he said, what's going on? Hmm. I said, how did you know? He's like, I don't know. I was just sitting he there. Just, he just knew something was up. Yeah. He just said I was sitting there, and I just felt like mm. something telling me to go see if you were okay. Mm. And I told him what was going on in there, and he's like, you know, the closer the closer you mm. come to God, the closer you get to Jesus, the more Satan is going to mm. try to take you out. And that, That's definitely that, got to be another podcast because well, that it, comes up. It does, but this is, I think that's that's – I think that's the answer. Is mm. that this isn't just about a, the, this life and the, the 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 visible that we see in this life, as our relationship with God is healed and reconciled mm. because of what Christ did for us. It doesn't make everything in the world all pretty and perfect again. Mm. As a matter of fact, in some ways, there are are, are bigger spiritual struggles mm-hmm. that that occur, and um, so I think that we, we want to be really careful. 
to say that this isn't a that this whole thing isn't a get better right. have a better life thing right i mean that that's a great story you know and 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 whenever we you know can cast off our addictions or our troubles you know that that's a great story but but you're right and 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 i'm really glad you shared that at the end andrew because the the proof in, in what dave is saying here and what the what the word says about you know where this is a battle of principalities and spiritual realms um, is that I think in a lot of cases Satan doesn't mind if we get off alcohol as long as we don't get closer to Jesus Christ. He's not going to show up in our room and try and intimidate us with that. Absolutely. Is there any final words you want to share with us today? I, I just want to give you that opportunity, but just uh, thank you and and you know know that we're part of a brotherhood that extends beyond. This is a cool time we've had together, but, you know, we've, we've met some great brothers along the way, and I'm glad you are. But is there any last thoughts you have? I, I spent 20-something years digging myself into a hole, and it got pretty bad, and it got very bad. And what just amazes me about the, the destructive things that I did to myself mm. Is that uh, over those twenty years, all that stuff that I did, and in three short months, the the distance out of that hole that that God has brought me is just amazing to me. Praise mm. God! Praise yeah. God! And it just it just shows that mm. no matter how how dark it gets, you know, at the bottom of that mm. that hole, you know, if you if you give everything to to God and let Him work in you, mm. you start to see the some light pretty quickly. There is, yeah. Oh, man, that's great. Everyone knows me well enough to know that I can't leave that without a quick Bible story, but, you know, the whole story of, <laughs> the whole story of Lazarus. You and that darn Bible, That doggone Bible. Jeez <laughs> Louise. But anyway, um, that story about Lazarus being dead in the grave. Three days he was in there, and, you know, the, his sisters are like, you know, Jesus comes back, and they're like, you know, you can't go in there. He's, he's going to smell because he's been in there for three days. And Jesus is like, no, that hole's not deep enough. Mm-hmm. That, that that dead flesh is not dead enough mm-hmm. and uh, you're right Andrew um, you could be dead, dead as a doornail and he can still lift you up so, yeah. amen. amen thanks guys yeah thanks for having me you're very welcome alright down the way that is near oh come home down the path that is free come home even when you're unsure of the road that you see Down the path that is free